0: hey friends welcome to the skyline church podcast i'm jonathan middlebrooks one of the pastors here at skyline church Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. My name is Jonathan. If we haven't met, uh, I get to be one of the pastors here, which is super fun. And this morning, just really, during worship, just overwhelmed with gratitude at the Lord, who the Lord is and what He's doing here, how good He is to us. And, um, and so, I just felt really the Lord just inviting me to just keep inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to my heart, to my life here, uh, to this church. And so, we're going to dig in. We're going to— in a series on the spiritual gifts, uh, because we know that this is a promise of Jesus. uh, Jesus' promise was that the Holy Spirit would fall on the church, would come to the church, would dwell in the church, and that when he did, we would receive power, Acts 8, right? Power to be his witnesses, and that power, Paul describes in the New Testament as coming through Gifts. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that. And so I know one of the questions is kind of why a is, why is series on spiritual gifts? You know, we just came out of the book of Proverbs and we talked last week about how we see uh, John 4, where he talks to the woman at the well and he says, The Father seeking worshipers, those who worship in spirit and truth. We, we see wisdom, which is, again, I just want to keep going. Wisdom is truth applied. It's truth lived out. We see that as the other side of the coin, as spirit. So we see power and wisdom being the two sides of the coin that Christians should operate in. Right? So Christians on the earth, because of Jesus and because of the Holy Spirit, should be the wisest people and the people with access to the most amount of power of any other people. That's, that's how we should be seen and described. But there's some other things, right? And I, and I think for those of us who have grown up in church, I don't know about your church experience, but I bet if we polled uh, the crowd here, we'd have as many experiences as we do people. But what we know is that that many times what you get in the church is you get a culture of critique. You get a critique of culture, you get a critique of your life, you get challenge, but if you do that without the gifts, what you get is discouragement, right? So what you get is you get an awareness of how your life maybe isn't measuring up, but you don't get any power to change it. Um, Because what you realize is you're like, I've tried really hard, I've done all the things, I've read all the books, I go to church, I pay my tithe, and yet this part of my life is still not working the way Christ intended. And many times it's because we haven't been aware of the power of the Holy Spirit to do things in us that we can't do ourselves. And so you get a lot of discouragement. You meet with a lot of Christians. I'm, I'm, I'm astounded by how many Christians I just meet randomly and we have coffee or something and their, their spirit is just discouraged. They feel like a failure. I was talking to Annie about this, about moms, right? Proverbs 31. You read Proverbs 31, it describes a, a, a godly woman, right? And it's amazing how many moms I know that are doing that whole list of Proverbs 31. I rarely meet anyone who says, that's talking about me. They believe it's talking about some idealistic fake woman. And yet, I, every mom I know is up early. They feed their kids. They get them ready for school. They love their children. They love their... I mean, it's like they're doing all the things, and yet somehow they're not feeling as if it's talking about them. There's this spirit of discouragement. And I love the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is our great encourager. He, he wants to speak to your heart who Jesus is, who the Father is, and what's possible through surrender to him. And so in a culture of the gifts, the spiritual gifts operating in the church, you get a culture of encouragement, of empowering, right? What you also see is that you get a culture of serving in the church, but if it's not empowered by the Spirit, you get fatigue, And you meet a lot of Christians who are just tired, they're tired, they're fatigued, and mainly because we're serving God with our teeth gritted. We're just like, oh, I know I'm supposed to do this, I'm going to keep doing it, I'm faithful, and yet we're serving out of our own power. We're serving um, because we know it's right, but we're not serving out of an overflow. Jesus says, I offer to you, if you're thirsty, living water that will come bubbling up from inside of you and over the top. You'll have more than you need. So you get fatigued. People are just tired. The other thing I see is is why do we want to talk about spiritual gifts is because we, we get a lot of programs, you get a lot of stuff to do, and if you're not careful, the gifts, you'll get a culture of consumption. Right? Because the culture of the gifts, the spiritual gifts that Paul lays out is each member of the body receiving an ability through the Holy Spirit to bless the community, which means we all get to play And if we're not careful, this culture of programming will lift up a few gifted people that we all consume from, rather than realizing that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And so we believe there's no junior Holy Spirit, right? There's no, everyone gets the same offer, whether you're a teenager or whether you're a child, right? So one of the things we've been doing at Skyline, uh, if you've heard, is we've really been sowing in this culture of worship into our kiddos. Next door, we've been training them how to worship, how to hear from the Lord, and we've seen some of the most beautiful things you'll ever see of children just worshiping God, and then you ask them, what did the Lord say to you? Did anybody hear God's voice? And they're like, and I mean, they come up, the the most profound things are stirring in their imagination when the Holy Spirit's being honored and blessed and sought. And so instead of a culture of consumption, what the spiritual gifts gives us in the church is a culture of contribution. Everyone has a contribution. So Paul says when the church gathers, everyone should have a hymn or a revelation or a song. Like we'll, we'll all get a chance. This isn't a culture of celebrity. Jesus is the only celebrity in the church, just Him. This quote, I love it, it says, the elephant in the living room of contemporary Christianity is people's ability to simply sit in church. To consume the experience the way one would a great sporting event, a thrilling movie, or an exciting theme park ride, and then dispose of it, totally unchanged at the soul level as they leave the sanctuary. Sure, they might be challenged, encouraged, or even moved, but the horizontal self simply feels the experience and moves on. And can I tell you, when that happens, and that becomes the culture of your life, you have to keep feeling experiences and moving on, and feel another one. That, that's why we're the most over-podcasted. Like we have more content in our life and less transformation because we simply feel it, experience it, see it, and then we move on. But we we're not. It doesn't get into us and transform us. Because we're meant to be worshiping beings, not just information beings. We're meant to see God. We're meant to experience God. We're meant to know him at a level that's beyond knowledge, information, just our brains. And so the danger of that is in the church, a culture without the spiritual gifts, Mark Sayer says this. He says, in that culture, the worship service becomes pseudo-media event. <laughs> this is hard. This Guys, this is hard stuff. So I, I, and I didn't write this, so don't blame me. But I think there's a lot of truth. The church building becomes a theme park. Christian leaders become Christian celebrities. Teaching becomes entertainment. Salvation becomes self-help. Discipleship becomes lifestyle enhancement. Soul becomes self. Church becomes brand. Gospel becomes slogan. And it's so easy that you don't even know most of the times when it's happening. It's so subtle, it's so much a part of our culture that we don't even know when we're performing and when we're heading down those paths because every other part of our life is about these things. It's about brands and slogans and celebrities and it's about performing. It's about presenting a certain kind of life, a certain kind of being. Yet Jesus calls us to come and die to him, die to ourselves, to come and worship him, to let go of the fear of man, of the praise of man. Of performance. Um, and so what I love about the spiritual gifts, what it does right off the bat, it says everything that God wants to do through you doesn't come from you. And so there literally can be no performance where the Holy Spirit wants to wait. Like when he starts to work, he starts to do things in your life that you couldn't have done yourself and you cannot take credit for. It's just him. He shows up and he does things and you go, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how he did it. There's this mysterious thing. All I know is it's true. Why do you want the spiritual gifts? This is Ephesians 3. It says his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is such a great verse and such a good word for our generation where it's so easy to be down on the church. So it's so easy to be spiritual but not religious, but I had a bad experience, and yet God says through the church, my manifold wisdom will be made known. Not just to humans, actually to rulers and authorities, to powers, to spiritual beings, Like in the cosmos, a church which is surrendered to Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, operating in his power, makes the manifold wisdom of God known. Whew. That's a pretty cool picture, right? I want to be a part of that kind of church where the manifold wisdom of God is being made known. And I love it because the manifold means like muchness, the broad, varied wisdom of God, which means you can't get it without all of us. Which means if you keep shrinking the vision of Jesus and his bride, the body of Christ, to smaller and smaller and smaller groups of more and more alike gifting thoughts, Political persuasion whatever you want to say you get a smaller smaller smaller. You you will not get manifold if we all think the same All the time about all the things if we all make the same amount of money If we all have the same color of skin if we all come from the same side of town, you will not get the manifold wisdom of God And so I love that that God gives us this thing He says in the body in the church. I want to make myself known so one person said it this way. He said, to call the people of God to discipleship and mission without the same power that Jesus operated out of is to invite people to burn out. Whew. If I, if I had like a hand raised right now of how many of you have felt burned out in the church before, I, we would probably get a lot of hands, so I'm not going to do that because um, I don't want to discourage us this morning, but it would be like, ooh, I've, ha- I've felt that where I was working hard for God, and I felt tired, and I just was like, ugh, I'm just done. And it's mostly because we're operating in a way that Jesus didn't call us to. Jesus said, my uh, yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what he said to the Pharisees, he says, uh, he says, you tie up heavy loads and you put them on other people's backs and you're not even willing to lift a finger to help them with it. So he, he says, here's their way and here's my way. My way is easy and light. Their way is heavy and burdensome. And it's fatigue and burnout. And yet, in the middle of it, Jesus says, my way's easy. How can it be easy? I know that you're going, I've read the Sermon on the Mount. How can that be easy? It can be easy where the Holy Spirit lives in you and through you. Where you're empowered not to perform for God, but to be filled by God and allow Christ to live his life through you. And I know that can sound mysterious and it can be like, well, yeah, that sounds great on paper, but I promise you... It's possible. So, Paul says this He says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And so, one of the things we want to do is we want to get out of the fact of Christianity and the church being all talk, no power. Because when the power of God is present, very little talk is needed. God, God will actually speak. And, and you would be astonished at how many people have come here on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday morning, in the middle of worship, God has spoken to them and they know it's God and they're just like, Ugh. and when that happens, it, it shifts something in our life. God becomes real in a way that me telling you he's real will never touch. Like when he reveals himself to you, something happens at a soul level that we were created to hear that voice. And our whole life has been longing to hear the voice of the Father, to receive our identity. Paul says again in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, My message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest in man's wisdom, but on God's power. You might have asked yourself, why is God allowing so many prominent Christian leaders in this generation to fail and fall? really publicly. Has anybody had that question lately? Anybody like read, read that? Some go like, Lord, is, what is happening? It feels like every week, I mean, there's entire websites now dedicated to just exposing terrible Christian leaders. Why is that happening? Here's, here's why I think it's happening. This, this is, you know, Jonathan, not the Lord. I don't know if this is, but true. I think it's true. I think it's so in our generation, we might transfer our faith from men and women to God from talented, awesome, charismatic, energetic leaders and the things they run from them to directly placing our faith in Jesus Christ as King, Lord, as enough. That we don't need a mediator between us and God. He offers us direct access to the Father. And so when a demonstration of the Spirit's power happens, the the placement of our faith and hope shifts. It shifts from a person, from a messenger, to actually firsthand knowledge and experience. So I want to talk this morning about a few different ways of looking at the spiritual gifts. And again, I just want to keep saying, as always, um, there are so many ways to see these things. There's so many wise people who think different things. We're trying to come up with probably a, a pretty broad framework to understand where that there's lots of ways that we can unify In this space, but I also want to give you a few filters for how to see the spiritual gifts, how to read these passages. Um, And so we're just going to read these three passages: Romans 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, and we we love. That's okay. We love babies. We love babies. I don't know how many you guys have seen the kiddos back here with the flags. Like, can I just I I say this every time a baby cries? I'm just, but I, I feel like you have to keep saying it. We love children. Okay, so like, and so we, we don't come here to get the purest attention level in history, and so I've been doing this for a long time, so you probably feel worse about it than I do. Like, I'm not distracted by babies. You notice how I just keep talking? When a baby cries, I just keep going. It's fine. We, we love it. Um, yeah, Jesus says, let them come to me. <laughs> uh, we know our kiddos with us. So, anyways, Romans 12. Can we just read through these? If you've got your Bible, um, uh, you can open there, Romans 12:7. Or is that 7? No, sorry, 12, uh, 4. Just as each of us has one body—no, let me see, let me make sure that's—yeah, yeah, yeah, that's it. Just as each of, uh, of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith." If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And uh, I want to add the caveat here that clearly the text uses a masculine term. Uh, Can I just say, like, if I were writing this verse, I would say let him or her, let them, all that stuff. And so, ladies, please don't get distracted by by that. Um, our, Our church just, I'm so grateful for the empowerment of women here. So, so see yourself in these verses. Um, so, whatever your gift is, use it. Paul says, use it. And he says, you, your gift belongs to the body, right? It, it, it actually belongs to us collectively. There's this beautiful thing in these spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit pours out. Now, in spiritual gifts, "'Brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. "'You know that when you were pagans, "'somehow or other, you were influenced "'and led astray to mute idols. "'Therefore, I tell you that no one who's speaking "'by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. "'And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, "'except by the Holy Spirit.'" There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in in all men. So, can I say this? This first verse of this passage is one of the reasons we're doing this series. Paul says, I do not want you to be uninformed. Okay, So he just off the bat, Paul just says, this is something that's really important. If the church is to be what Jesus has called it to be, you cannot be uninformed about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in communities where Jesus is worshiped, where Jesus is glorified. So somebody put it this way, uh, Jesus loves to pour out his spirit on flesh and the spirit loves to reveal Jesus to people. <laughs> and it is this circular thing that has been happening since Pentecost. Jesus pours his spirit out on people, and people see Jesus where the spirit is poured out, and then (laughs) it just keeps happening. So Paul goes on, he says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Why do we Get spiritual gifts for the common good, for the blessing of the body of Christ. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, an interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So, the Holy Spirit determines who gets what gifts and what measures. He is sovereign and we are not. And so, wherever Jesus is worshipped, Paul says, the Spirit of God will manifest his power in these places. And so, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. And also, I think he's like, do not be surprised. Don't be shocked when these things happen in your midst. And then the last one is Ephesians 4. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So what what do the gifts do? The gifts grow us up in Jesus. Isn't that cool that that we might mature? Wherever the Holy Spirit starts to work, starts to speak, starts to manifest the presence of God, Christians start to grow. And they grow in all these ways. They grow in health, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, financially, physically, like all of our life starts to come under the kingship of Jesus and starts to be lived as a sacrifice to him, a, a spiritual act of worship. That's what Romans 12 says. And so we start to take on the fullness of Christ as the Holy Spirit starts to pour out his gifts. Because what happens is a church that's filled with the Spirit looks like Jesus, right? It looks and feels and acts and sounds like Jesus, and so I just want to say this real quick. Uh, for some of us come from backgrounds, right, where the spiritual gifts were either never talked about or they were mocked or they were said like, ah, I don't know about those are the crazy charismatic cousins over there. We don't hang out with them. You know, I, I don't know what your view is. But can I just say, here's our goal. Our goal is that, that Skyline would be one of the safest and healthiest communities you'll ever experience to encounter God. And, and I think Jesus was the safest human being who ever lived. And yet, he was not the most comfortable person to hang around, right? Like, he didn't run around going like, I just hope you're comfortable, you bunch of vipers. Like, right? It's like, (laughs) like, and so we get this thing that somehow Jesus was nice in the way that nice churchy people are nice, which means avoiding confrontation or never make you uncomfortable, never challenging. And and yet, all the people that Jesus, um, in many ways, was challenging to lay down their lives and to come to God— In such like crazy ways, they were desperate to be around him. Isn't that funny? The Pharisees, he's like, you brood of vipers, and they're like, Will you come over for dinner? (laughs) If I said that to you, you would not be making an invitation. There was something about the person of Jesus that was so attractive. And it's so attractive, especially to people that would have thought that he would judge them or condemn them, and yet. They were constantly desperate, like people are climbing trees, they're lowering people through roofs, they're doing whatever they can to get into his presence. And and I think it's because whatever the culture was in heaven with the father, son, and spirit lived in him in a way that spoke to something in human beings that said, I just want to be around this guy. Even if I know all my secrets are going to get tossed out on the table, right? I think he's a safe person for that to happen with. So, that, so, Christians start to become like Jesus. We became a safe place, but it might not always be comfortable, right? So we want to be safe, but we also, we want to be like him. So just a few questions you might be asking. What are spiritual gifts? What's, like, what's a, a working definition? Um, there's two words that Paul uses here for all you uh, uh, Bible nerds, Chase, Brooks, could name some others. Charisma. Pneumaticon. Everybody say pneumaticon. Say it five times as fast as you can. Um, so both these words are, for, are derived from familiar words. Charis means grace. Pneuma means spirit. And so Paul joins these words together, which is a really fascinating way, which is like a spiritual grace. So like a, a, a spiritual gift is literally a grace come from heaven into your life. And that's why I say it should feel that way. Wherever the spiritual gifts are operating should feel like grace. It should feel like, oh, oh, this is what we were meant for. Charisma meaning expression or manifestation or embodiment of grace. I love that. A spiritual gift, a prophetic word should feel like an embodiment of grace. Like literally a delivery. It's like postmates from heaven, right? And just show up on your doorstep with just like, you want some grace, right? Like, oh, yes. You want some encouragement? You want some comfort? You want some strengthening? The Holy Spirit wants you to know this in a way that you've never heard before, maybe. And so, so you see this thing of this divine grace mediated through individuals. Um, pneumatikon. Uh, so essentially charisma is a more specific word. The word pneumatikon has a wider range of usage. Um, I love this. It says it's more properly an adjective. And so it describes various things as spiritual, right? Or as manifesting the spirit or serving as the instrument of the spirit. Right? So as we operate in the power of the spirit, God makes us an instrument of grace, to other human beings. So, when we serve or we teach or we prophesy or we encourage or we show mercy or we pray for healing, God actually turns us into a divine instrument for the flow of his favor. Right? I love the, the description of Mary, oh favored one. Why was Mary favored? Because God had shown his grace to her in that moment by choosing her to bear the son. It's like, oh, oh, you of favor. And so what happens is the church, when it becomes like Jesus in this way, the favor of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God starts flowing to the members through each other. I remember I described last week of the, uh, the scene from Armageddon, right, where they described the asteroid and Owen Wilson's like, okay, scariest environment imaginable. That's basically, that's what we're dealing with, right? And I said, the church should be, oh, it's the most encouraging, life-giving environment imaginable. And, and I, can I just tell you, when the church is doing that, there's nothing like it in the world. There's nowhere else, there's no other community, there's no other religion you can walk into where people will just walk up to you, I, I saw you. And it was like you had a highlight and somebody just gives you grace in the moment and you don't even know them. And it's literally like I've, you've, you've had this, like somebody's been reading your emails. So you're like, what in the world, right? So, I went to IHOP in Kansas City. Anybody been there? International House of Prayer, not pancakes. And, um, and Annie and I went there at the beginning of my sabbatical. We were just struggling at this moment, super discouraged about ministry and about life. And, and we, we set an appointment for prophecy. I don't know how many of you have ever set an appointment for prophecy, but that challenges your notion of, like, is this thing real? Is this going to work? This is super weird. So, we're, like, sitting. And this is not my nature. I don't, I don't like things like this. I don't like giving up control. I don't like meeting people I don't know and letting them speak over my life. I'm like, Who are, I don't know you. Who are you? And Annie was like, we're going. And so, I was like, yes, ma'am. So, I let her do that for me, but nobody else, right? So, we're just sitting there, and finally, it's our, our time. And it's, like, the guy... I don't want to describe his too much because you might be like, that sounds like me. But it's not a guy I would have been like, yeah, I'm going to give this guy authority in my life, right? I'm going to let him speak over me. So I was like, all right, Lord, this whole thing. And literally, he closed his eyes, he had his Bible open, and he just started speaking and literally, like, instant weeping. I just started weeping because it was literally the exact thing my entire life was struggling with right then. And it was, it was literally around identity and around I felt unseen by God. I felt like my life was unimportant. And he was like, I see a giant stamp from heaven coming on your life. And it says VIP on it. And he's like, "I the Lord wants you to know. He sees you. He sees your work. He sees your service. He loves you. He's just like, and I was like, ah. I was like, yeah, I receive it, you know? And it was just, I was just like, that doesn't work unless God's real. There's no possible way he, he could have known anything about my life as a random 2 p.m. on a day in Kansas City that we drove just to hear from the Lord. But here's the key we drove there to hear from God. We were desperate enough to hear from God to, to, to go to Kansas City and sit in a room and, like, God, if you're there. And God says, if you seek me, you'll find. If you knock, it'll be opened. If you ask, it'll be given to you. And so we see that this this thing happens, these spiritual gifts, they're sovereignly given abilities. So that's what we want to say. They come from God. These aren't about how talented you are, how much skill you've acquired in the world, what position you, you take up out there. When you come in here, you come with a clean slate. You come in with a clean slate. We are all the same. It says, in Christ, there is neither Greek nor Jew, slave nor free, male nor female. All the stuff you have off there, all your degrees, all your bank accounts, all your successes, when you walk through those doors, they come off. And here, you are a human being loved by God with the possibility of all the power of heaven pouring out through your life to other people to give his grace. And it makes the church a different kind of people than any other group on earth. It's just as different. So today, three kinds of gifts I want to run through. And we'll just do this fast. This will be practical. The first kind you see in Romans 12, right? They're motivation gifts. This is, these are like, it gives us a passion to serve from. So Paul's like, if it is this, then do it. Like, take that passion for the prophetic, for teaching, for serving that, that the Holy Spirit has implanted in your life. And now just start practicing. Start finding places to do these things, right? So then you see the ministry gifts in Ephesians 4. These give us a place and a position to serve from. And when you hear position, I don't want you to hear position like job title. I want you to hear like a place, like a position to stand Think about a position on a basketball team. You're like, what's your position? I play shooting guard. What does that mean? It means I do these kind of things, and I don't probably do as much of these things. If you're a point guard, think about that rather than just like, oh, this gives me a high position. That's not, that's not what it's about. It's about a, a, a um, clarity of what God wants to use you for. So for me, one of my primary gifts is apostolic. So I like to gather people. God's given me a gift to gather people to, to, um, to really speak people's destinies over them, to have vision. And so I just know that's my position in the kingdom. So if I try to be, um, I'm not super pastoral. I do it because I love Jesus and he calls me to, but you don't want to spend three hours with me pouring out your heart because you'll see like a glazed, I'll just go away. After a while, I, I'm sorry, but that's just who I, it's like who God's made me to be. Blame him. But there's people in this church, friends, who you can sit in front of and pour your soul out, and they'll be like, more. Give me more. Give me more. <laughs> because they're just like, they have been wired by God, sovereignly given an ability to, to pastor people, to just shepherd people, to bring them in and just be like, just come sit down with me and let me just love you. You know, I'm like, you guys do that. There's something outside. that we, There's a hill. We got to run up. And I'm trying to motivate people. And so it's like, it's this beautiful thing that I don't have to be that because God has given me another gift. And what we have to do is the pastor and the apostle have to learn how to love and value each other so that there's room for all of us in this community. So uh, then there's manifestation gifts, right? Passion for the power and presence of God. You know, that looks like all the stuff uh, we read in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, miracles, healings, tongues, revelation, wisdom, discernment. All those things, they're, they're just so beautiful. So, so, what does this look like? Motivation gifts. Let's just start there, right, today. And just give you just a quick viewpoint of this, where Paul says, if it's prophecy, then prophesy. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's serving, then serve. Uh, you know, if it's encouraging, then encourage. All that stuff. What does this look like? So, he, he mentions um, seven gifts here. So, I mean, can I can I just do one caveat? Here's my view of how you discover your spiritual gifts and it's, there's three parts, and it's not taking a test, okay? Don't, please don't do that until, like, long into your Christian journey. The first thing you do to discover your gifts is you spend so much time cultivating intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And this happens through worship and prayer in God's Word. You just saturate your life in His presence, and you wait and say, God, what would you want to give me? Since this is something that's given, I don't want to give myself something that you're not giving me. I don't want to take a position before you grant it to me. So just spend lots of time in his presence and don't worry about it. It'll come, right? It'll come. You trust him. Second is in community, gifts get confirmed by the community. Have you ever been around somebody who's like, this is my first gift? And everybody's like, no, I don't think so. I don't know. I haven't experienced that. Yeah, I mean, it's awkward, right? Because then you just gotta be like, ooh, this is weird. Right? So so rather than me telling you like the community starts to say, Man, you really have a gift for this. Like I, I can try to be encouraging, but when this person encourages people, it's like oil from heaven. Have you met those kind of people where their encouragement just, it just does more? And it's because it's literally a sovereignly given ability by God. So, what, what does this look like? You know, there's just definitions. And again, these aren't exhausted, exhaustive. There's so many ways to look at prophecy-serving teaching. But these are just easy ways, right? Like, so prophecy declares the will of God over somebody's life. And this, I, when, when I say will of God, I don't mean predicting their future. That very rarely happens. And I just encourage you, don't do that. <laughs> Don't predict somebody's future. What is the will of God for somebody's life, for them to become Christ-like? That's the will of God, for you to love and serve him with your whole heart. And so it looks like encouraging them in that. Serving, you meet practical needs, teaching, studying, teaching, explaining truth, encouragement. I love encouragement. Championing spiritual progress. You probably know that you have the spiritual gift of encouragement when you look around this room and you just say, oh, I see the progress in their life. I gotta go just... They celebrate that. Like, the smallest amount. They're like, look at you! Like, right? It's like, this is so great! Like, you're like a spiritual parent who just sees the smallest thing in somebody's life, and you just want to pour, like, gasoline on that fire. Giving is sharing abundance. And you see, like, right, the needs that are met. Some of them are spiritual. Some of them are practical. Some are intellectual. Some are psychological. God cares about those, those needs. Some are directional, right? And then the impact of those, I love that. Keeping us centered on what God wants keeps the work of ministry moving, keeps us learning and growing, keeps us applying spiritual truth, keeps us us centered on Jesus. Those are all beautiful things. And imagine a community where these things are happening consistently, where this is just the operation of people's life in community. What you're going to get is you're going to get this really beautiful community, So what what does Paul say to Timothy? He says this, in spiritual gifts, we want to have this posture, don't neglect the gift. So if you have a gift, don't neglect it. This is the parable of the talents. If God's given you something, steward it, right? Like, look how important you are to God that he gave you this gift. Don't neglect it. You can actually grow in your spiritual gifts. So that's the weird thing. It's a sovereignly given ability, but as you use it, seek to understand it, ask the Lord about it, practice it, you start to grow in these gifts. Paul says to fan into flame, right? Fan into flame, the gift of God. So, so why? Why again? Why a series on spiritual gifts? I'm going to invite the band to come back up. We're going to wrap up. Why are we doing a series on spiritual gifts? And I was at a conference with our friend John Tyson in November, and he made this statement, and this statement's probably going to make you uncomfortable, but he said this. He said, the future is too hard to not be Pentecostal. <laughs> I love that statement. The, the future is too hard to rely on your own power. Where this country is going, where the world is going, and, it, and if the last two years hasn't confirmed that human power will not solve the crisis... We're in, I don't know what else God could do to show us, to wake us up. Church, he's like, awake, oh sleeper. (laughs) Why wake up? Because if you do, I will shine on you. And so I wrote down these these things. Why, Why a series on spiritual gifts? I think this, I think it's because life is too hard. This moment's too big. The generation we live in, your enemy is too real. He actually exists and wants to steal, kill, and destroy every good thing in your life. And I think God's plan is too good. And I think because of all of that, it would be such a tragedy to live on less than your full inheritance in Jesus. It would be such a tragedy to live on less than God offers. God offers you the Holy Spirit living in you and empowering your life to see miracles, healings, um, family members one I mean, it's just like these amazing things. And I just want to say your story, your individual personal story, your life is too much of a miracle. It's just too much of a miracle. And it's too important to God that, that to let it go. So I, I was just reflecting on this passage in Revelation this morning where, where God says, in the new heavens and the new earth, God will come and he will wipe every tear from your eye. Think about that. Personally, you and God in in a moment. And it just hit me how important your story is to God. Almighty God, Father, Creator, Sustainer, loves you and your life and your story so much. When you go to the new heavens and new earth someday, you're going to sit down with him. He's like, he's going to say, literally, tell me all about it. I already know, but I want to hear it from you as those tears roll down your cheeks, as you tell him all this stuff that's happened in your life, he's just going to wipe it away. And when he wipes it, it's going to be gone forever. Because in that place, there'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more disease, no more grief. And he just says, you matter so much to me to not let go of my promises here. And this morning, I, I read a testimony from uh, Emily Martin, who she gave at our women's retreat. How many women were there? I just, I don't know why I read it. It was just in my email, and I just like, oh, I'm just going to read that this morning. And I just got friends. I just wept at the story of God's power poured out in their family for miracle and healing in one of their little boys' lives, one of their children, that they were just desperate for God, and they sought him, and God poured out a miracle. It's just like, ugh. You stand to your feet. Um, we're gonna worship. We're gonna pray. We're just gonna create some some time here just to do that. And after a few moments, our prayer team's gonna come stand down front. When our prayer team comes down, as you're worshiping, praying, asking the Lord, if you need prayer for anything this morning, we just want you to come. Uh, one of the things we've been doing a lot lately is praying for physical healing. We've seen a lot of physical healing uh, in our in our church. So if you have anything like that, it could be the most minor thing, could be the biggest thing in the world. God says, if you have any need, pray, pray. Um, So I'm going to create space for that. If you're stirring in your heart about the gifts and the Holy Spirit and you're like, I don't know what to do. I just need somebody to pray over that. I just want to encourage you to come. So I'm going to pray over this. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? just want to speak this over you. God loves you so much. He knows everything about you. (laughs) And in the middle of all of our life, all of our pain, all of our struggle, all our mistakes, all of our sin, all of our talent, all of our success, he's still so interested in you. (laughs) Like Fascinated with you, head over heels in love with you. He just wants to know you and be with you. He wants to live inside of you. And so in this season, we just want to honor the Holy Spirit. And we just want to say yes to that invitation. We want to be a church that says yes to the full inheritance of God. We want all that Jesus promised, all that we see in the Bible. We don't want the the stories, we want the experience. We want the walk want you to know he's inviting you to that this morning. And whether you're here and you're not even a Christian yet, and you hear him inviting you in, whether you're a Christian for a long time and you feel like you've been apathetic or lethargic or distant from God, the offers to everyone, if you're on fire right now, he's saying, I can give you more. You thought you had everything, just guess what? You haven't even scratched the surface yet. So we want to be a church seeking that. And If you need help in that, this morning I just want to invite you to respond and come and pray. So Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We honor you. We just crown you with many crowns this morning. And Holy Spirit, we just say we will be a church that refuses to quench your work. We don't want to grieve you or offend you. We just say you're so welcome to do whatever it is that you want to do here. we know that you came from God and we know that the safest place to be is in your presence and so we just welcome you in this moment in Jesus name amen so we're just going to worship for a few minutes and then we'll wrap up